If you have a Bible, grab it. We're in the book of Daniel, walking through an incredible prophetic part of Scripture. If you're new to the Bible, uh, it's about that far through. If you, it's in the Old Testament, uh, but it's actually still farther towards the right in my Bible than it is the left. There should be a table of contents at the front end. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There are black Bibles in the pew there, or if you just didn't bring one with you, you can pull that out, or if you prefer to do it digitally. Daniel chapter 8 today. I'm gonna celebrate with you how God is working in and through you. Uh, it's kind of cool, like we get to be just part of uh, like God flying a kite in a hurricane of grace right now as we send people out on mission trips and get to see God at work in the lives of different people. We have a team that was in Hungary. Our churches work with church partners in Hungary that are making disciples overseas that live and love like Jesus. We had a team that was in London working with Kahila, which is a coffee shop that we've come alongside of in a ministry that rescues women out of sex trafficking overseas there, and they were getting to serve food this last week and have spiritual conversations and pray with people. We had a team of some 14 that went to Germany, and one of the prayers of our Germany trips, y'all may know this from past years, is that we would raise up a team in Germany that would know baseball because we've been doing baseball camp and also be able to lead that. Our team of 14 met up with 125 German leaders now that are helping put on baseball camp. They got to see this last week, 41 students repent of their sin, place their faith in Jesus and decide to follow him, which was awesome. Yeah. Here in, in our community, many of our students help lead other students. Some of our older youth do what we call activate with some of our elementary school students and get to walk them through the opportunity to really see God work in and through their life as they serve in our community and do different mission projects. They also train them in the gospel and walking through the three circles gospel presentation and I got to see in fact even myself experience actually I got slimed at one point through some activate students like we which was not great I say that that was awesome uh, but but get to, got to, I got to see students in our church sharing the gospel with other people this last week and that's really cool last week though I heard a story that was not a mission trip story uh, but it was someone in our church that God used missionally. In fact, he's doing that in all of your lives as believers, if you're aware of it or not. This person went on vacation a week ago and found themselves at a camp on vacation. And while they were there, in their own words, I've asked if I can share the story, someone asked, if you were to share the gospel with someone, what would you tell them? And they thought it was actually kind of this... Uh, quiz like uh, pass fail to see if they were a Christian or not like they, they were and so he sits down and starts having the conversation and realized this person has a conversation with someone else at a picnic table about Christ and he pulled out his phone on his phone he had the three circle sticker that many of you may have gotten through the training on his phone and then he talks, I see some of y'all flipping it over to show your friends next to you right now he then walks through the gospel the the good news that there's this right, uh, uh, there's a real kingdom and a real king. His name is Jesus. 
in his love and by his grace. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sin. He rose again and he's coming back, right? Repent, believe, follow him. He's doing it through the three circles. Be part of his kingdom. He, he shares the gospel and this student at the table placed his faith in Christ on vacation. Now this was an adult in our church and he had one of his sons with him when this all went down. And his son has now told the story many different times. As, as yeah, good. I hear someone, why? When I say why, uh, if you're here today and maybe Jesus is a new conversation for you or even kinda, why? Why would the church intentionally go to tell others about what Jesus has done? Why would that? Okay, let's, let's, let's stop picking on the people that may, may not know Jesus. Let me pick on me for a second. In my own life, I have a tendency to focus on me. I don't know if anyone else here has this problem, but I kind of like my life to revolve around me. And kind of like me and what I want right now. Anyone else ever? Why, why would we, why would we live our lives focused on others? In fact, why would we even talk about times that happened a long time ago or maybe coming in the future? Okay, I don't, even if you, the Jesus deal is not something front and center in your life right now, <clears throat> modern psychology will tell you that your life focused on you is not gonna be fun. Just for the record, is there something in the Bible that can help us get our eyes off ourselves? right now there actually is a lot and today we're going to see a passage that initially for you may feel like it has nothing to do with you but I believe if you'll let this passage that looks like it has nothing to do with you affect you it's going to launch you into the lives of others in a way that is really good for you here and now Before I read, we've been walking through the book. Something happens at the beginning of Daniel chapter eight that's not obvious in our English translation. This is abnormal in Bible books. The original language changes. Chapter one was written in Hebrew. Most of chapter two all the way through chapter seven was written in the Aramaic. Chapter 8, which is where we are today, is going to record another vision that God gave Daniel, but now it's in the Hebrew language. Many believe that is because God wanted something specific to be told to his followers, his people, the Jews, as he speaks in their Hebrew language. If you're a follower of Jesus today, again, I think he has something for you today, even if it doesn't look like it's about you right now. 
In order to honor God's word, I want to invite you to stand. This passage is like going to feel so out of left field. This is the last, not prophecy, the rest of the book is prophecy, but this is the last prophecy that has crazy visuals related to it. Verse 1, chapter 8. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at first. And I saw in the vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Uli Canal. I raised my eyes and saw. Y'all see all the repeated saw, 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 saw. He's about to see something graphic. And behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns, and both horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last. I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. No beast could stand before him. And there was no one who could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. And as I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a conspicuous horn between its eyes. He came to the ram with the two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal. And he ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram, and he was enraged against him and struck the ram and broke his two horns, and the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him. Wow. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great, but when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and toward the glorious land. It grew great even to the host of heaven, And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. And a host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offering because of transgression. And it will throw towards the uh, throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is this vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would help us in this room right now to see prophecy that may not feel like it's right now. 
or feel like it's specific to us. God, help us see what this passage says in a way that would transform us for your glory and for our good. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So how many of y'all like memorized that in third grade? I'm just curious. Yeah, Bobby raised his hand, then he put it back down. No, uh, that, th- this, this is not like your normal, like uh, between Amazing Grace and Just As I Am, they're the little Bible reading in the, in the, the worship set, right? What was that all about? Well, what I want to do today is I want to preach to you the interpretation that is given to Daniel of that vision that I just read to you. So I'm not going to walk back through all of those verses, but I want to invite you to walk back through them later after I preach to you the interpretation and watch how radically fulfilled this prophecy actually was. But here's what we're going to see. We're going to see Daniel given a supernatural interpretation. In fact, he's going to hear a voice from someone in heaven that looks like a man who's going to tell the angel Gabriel what to do. I believe that voice was coming from Jesus before he ever showed up here on earth because he looks like a man and he's in charge of Gabriel. And then Gabriel, the angel, is going to interpret the dream. And as Gabriel interprets the dream, he has two primary focuses, so I want it to be ours. I want us to ask this question, when will this take place? When is this going to happen, this prophecy? Second, why does it matter? And then we will see Daniel respond, and I want to invite us to respond by asking, how should we Respond. So when will this happen? Why does it matter? How should we respond? That's our outline today. Y'all with me? All right. Verse 15. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. No, you think? And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, that's the canal that he had seen in the vision, and it called Gabriel. Make this man understand the vision. So he, I think Gabriel, came near to where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened, you think, (laughs) and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time, now he's gonna address multiple times over the next few verses, when will this happen? He said this is for the time of the what? The end. Interesting, as he's writing now in Hebrew, as you look at this passage in the Hebrew, and I just, just so you know, I went to cemetery and I went through the languages twice because I didn't get them the first time, and I still use the tools, okay? So I wouldn't know this if I hadn't studied it last week. This phrase specifically, for the time of the end, can actually refer to any time in the future. But most of the time, it is referring to the end times. 
It just doesn't have to. Okay? Keep going with me. Verse 18. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and he made me stand up. He said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation. Okay? The end of some time that's coming that is going to be painful. For it refers to the appointed time of the what? End. Okay. Again, these words can refer to any future time that would happen at the end of some period of suffering indignation. But most of the time, and he has now said it twice, it would seem to refer to the end times when everything is coming to a conclusion. So when will this happen? Keep going with me. Verse 20, as for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. Let me remind you, this vision Daniel just told us was given to him when the king Belshazzar was on the throne who was a Babylonian king. The Persian powers were not yet ruling the world. Daniel says this is referring to the time when they will come into control. Media and Persia. Keep going, verse 21. And the goat is the king of Greece. Y'all remember last week in chapter 7, both of these kingdoms were included in those prophecies. Who was the first king of Greece? Alexander the Great. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king. Verse 22, and for the horn that was broken in place of that of which four others arose. We talked about this last week. Alexander the Great really, in, uh, we said 10 years, it's, he really conquered almost all the known world in three years. But he was in control for about 10 years. He died in his early, early 30s. Complete side note on that. He died, many believe, from alcoholism, which was the fall of the first three kingdoms, abuse of alcohol, which is interesting. He was involved in all of it. That king, though, after he, he died, it, the kingdom over time was divided out between four generals. So all the prophecies then point to four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. When will this happen? I, I thought you just said, Gabriel, that it was going to happen in the end twice. And now you're saying it's going to happen when these future kingdoms, which are not yet even in control, but now we know in hindsight they took control in this order. Greece was second, Persia and Media first. Which one is it? Is it when Greece was in control, Media Persia in control, or is it about like the end of the world? I believe, and I'm going to teach you what I believe as we walk through prophecy, I don't pretend to know everything. I don't have a monopoly on truth, but I do love Jesus and I pursue Christ best I know how. I believe 
biblical prophecies often, and I think the big ones, most often have double fulfillment. What do, I, what do I mean by that? I believe Gabriel is telling us, like we, I believe, have seen in the history of the world, that it's gonna play out with Greece and Persia, and it's gonna also play out at the end of the world. Now, keep going with me. I wanna ask the question, why does that matter? Why does it matter? Verse 23. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. Now the rest of this interpretation, if you look at the paragraph, he's now shifted from focusing on when to what is the, the really main thing about in this vision, He's gonna talk about this king that's gonna arise out of one of the four divisions of the Grecian kingdom. Y'all see that? If you want to go back and read verses nine through 14, in the, the, the uh, dream vision he was having, also a big portion of it is all about this one person. Well, wh why does it matter when this takes place? Apparently this person has a big point in the prophecy. So this king of bold face is gonna arise out of one of these four kingdoms. Verse 24, his power shall be great, but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. That's not good news if you're a saint. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand and in his own uh, mind he shall become great without warning he shall destroy many and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes and he shall be broken but by no human hand the vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true but seal up the vision for it refers to many days from now all right why does this matter well, apparently, there's this figure that is going to arise in power. He just said, out of first anyway, out of the four kingdoms, there would be a king that's going to arise, that's going to be all about himself, great in his own mind, that's going to persecute the saints. You can look back at the vision. He's going to erect something in the temple that's going to be an abomination. He's going to desecrate the sacrifices. He is going to be somehow either in power for 2,300 evenings and mornings. Commentary writers disagree if these evenings and mornings are referring to two days back to back or the same day, evening and morning. If you multiply that out, that's either just under three and a half years or just under seven years, one or the other. He's gonna be somehow in power. Did that happen in the history of Greece? Yes. I'm gonna show you a coin. This is Antiochus IV Epiphanes, the Hebrews changed his last title, Epiphanes, to Epimenes, I can't even say it, which meant madman. He was an incredibly 
corrupt king. He was the eighth king of the Seleucid dynasty, one of those four separations. He ruled Syria from 175 to 164 BC, and he began to persecute specifically the Jews in graphic ways in 171. That persecution lasted for just under seven years. About halfway through, he elevated, I mean, he was incredibly, you can read just the, the stories. At one point, he would throw temper tantrums and he'd take it out on the Jews. At one point, he went into Jerusalem and he killed in one raid some 40,000 Jews and took another 10,000 as his slaves. But at one point he went and uh, Rome was starting to gain power at this point in time and he had gone to fight a war with Rome and he had lost. He came back to Jerusalem and in order to take it out on the Jews, he erects in the temple an idol to Zeus and then he starts forcing the sacrifice of pigs on the altar in the temple. He was so graphically attacking God and the people that are the Jews that they, they spiraled into this then persecution that lasted just under three and a half years under him. He was in, in power, I mean, he was persecuting Jews for seven years, but after the, the temple abomination, 2,300 days, that, that length of time, if you consider it's referring to the same day, he, he then persecutes the Jews so graphically that they put together an uprising called the Maccabean Revolt. They retook the temple, destroyed the idol, and it's such a big deal in the history of the Jews now that it's what they celebrate on December 25th. What do the Jews celebrate? Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a celebration of this king being kicked out of power and what he did when he was there. Why do I tell you all those details? You can read all about them in this prophecy. If you want to back up, you can read the history. Here's why I tell you. If God says something's gonna happen, he's not like the weatherman. Biblical prophecy is not potentially going to happen. There is 100% not chance, not likelihood. It's going to happen if the Bible says it's going to happen. And the Bible said this prophecy through Gabriel's interpretation was gonna be several kingdoms ahead and kingdoms that did not even yet exist in power. And it would play out in this way. And guess what? That's what happened. Why does that matter? Well, it matters in a lot of ways. If God says it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Why does that matter to us? Biblical prophecies often have double fulfillment. Antichrist figures are in our past and in our future. Do you know that Jesus refers back to Daniel chapter 8 
and he tells his followers who were Jews and they had already seen what Jews today still believe is the answer to this prophecy take place. And he tells them the fulfillment is still in the future. Here's Jesus on the Mount of Olives, Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 16. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken about by the prophet Daniel, when did Daniel speak about it? Daniel chapter eight, we just read about it. Standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Jesus refers to the Daniel chapter eight prophecy as something, yes, he knew about what happened with Antiochus, but he said something's still coming in the future that this prophecy points us to. What? Some people look at that, that, that passage and they say, well, Jesus was talking about the fall of the temple in Jerusalem that would happen in AD 70. Maybe he was. Was there an antichrist figure there that came and desecrated the temple? Yes, there was. His name was Titus. Does that mean, okay, one of Jesus' closest friends, John, happened to write four Bible, four Bible, four books in our Bible, not four Bibles, hello, don't leave the church. Four, yeah, uh, I, yeah, it's amazing how often I'll say something that's not what I'm thinking, it just happens, sorry. Four books in our Bible, First John chapter two, there's a, a fascinating verse here. Children, it is the last hour. The last hour in Scripture, the last hour in Scripture is the time after Jesus' first coming. It's the last hour as we anticipate his second coming. We're living in the last hour right now. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, look what he says. So now many, many Antichrists have come. Which one is it? Well, I think biblical prophecies have a double fulfillment, and I think this is super helpful. Here, why is this helpful? Why is this helpful? You know, when, when you build something you've never built before, oftentimes if it's complicated, in order to help people understand the way it's going to look, you build a prototype before you build the actual type. And God and his sovereignty has allowed for us through biblical prophecy to see how things come together in micro so that you and I, when it plays out in macro, will have a better understanding of what is going on. Does that make sense? I believe, I believe that in the history of Jesus, when he was being tried at one point, he said that those trying him were being controlled by the Antichrist. Uh, people that were alive during World War II, many of them looked at Hitler, and many thought, surely this is the Antichrist. Uh, I believe Satan is alive and active in our world, he gets controls of people's lives and sometimes in extreme ways. And in the end, there's going to be one that is going to fulfill this prophecy again. This is my understanding, my belief, that in the end, as the angel Gabriel says at the beginning of the passage, and as Jesus points forward, 
you and I in the end are going to see, we're going to see someone take control in our world who's going to persecute the saints. And it's going to not last forever. Praise God. Seven years in power, three and a half years after he's erected something in the temple and made the Jews worship, and Jesus will return. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, it matters in a lot of ways, but if in your own life, as you focus on your here and now, and as you focus on your here and now, if there's a lot of pain, can I tell you, if you believe in Jesus, if you've decided to follow him, that pain will end in the end. But if you have friends that don't know him, that this should prompt something in us. In fact, let me just go now to how should we respond. Let's look at Daniel's response here in verse 27. And, and yeah, this is really helpful for, for, uh, for me who wants to focus on me right now. Watch what he says in verse 27. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Why was Daniel overcome and sick? Well, some say just because of the supernatural power that came on him for the vision. And so he was controlled by another power and it made him tired. He was asleep, by the way, in verse 18. So yeah, what happened to his life when this vision happened supernaturally may have made him tired. But I think there was more than just that because you go keep reading with me. I'll come back to the middle of the verse. Then I rose and went about the king's business. That's beautiful, but we'll come back. But I was appalled, he says, by the vision. Why was he sick? He was sick because what, what he just saw was that suffering was coming for the people of God. And suffering coming for the people of God is what the Bible tells us will happen for us. Not forever. The time will end. But it's coming. And that should prompt us it should prompt us to realize, hey, I love the people around me and, 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 and I don't want them to suffer forever. I, I want that suffering to be temporary and so I, I want to go to them and I wanna share the three circles like our students were doing this last week. I want to bring to them the hope that we have in Christ so that in the end, all the tears will be wiped away. The, the vision of what is happening for a short period of time before the judgment that will last forever is graphic and painful. It should motivate in our life, even though it's sobering. It was sobering for Daniel, I believe. First thing I would say is it should motivate us, motivate us to run after those who will suffer ultimately. Second thing, I want to just point out what he says here in the very end. He says, I was appalled by the vision, he says, and then what he says, and I, what, and did not understand it. Okay, again, I was appalled by the vision and did not, what? I did not understand it. What? Daniel, God just like came on you in such a way that you saw this supernatural vision. But not just that. Like it looks like Jesus or at least some guy in heaven that's in control of Gabriel told Gabriel to come to you and explain to you the vision that you just saw. 
and you don't understand it? Can I, can I say this gives me so much hope? <laughs> this, those words to me are so good for me. Why? Because I don't understand it all. And I think it's, it's kind of cool that Daniel, after seeing the vision and having Gabriel explain it to him, didn't understand it all. Prompts me, second thing, in response, can I caution you against following a teacher that is going to tell you they understand all of biblical prophecy? There is danger. Now, please study it. We need to be ready. We need to study prophecy. The Bible tells us to study it. It's given there as a gift to us so that we can be ready. We can be prompted to go and to love others because we know the end is coming. But if someone tells you they understand it all, that should be a flag for you because the one writing the book on prophecy who saw the visions and had Gabriel explaining it to him says, I did not understand it. One of the, again, there's story after story after story of this in the history of our world. But one of the stories of this in our past, William Miller, who was the founder of Seventh-day Adventism, he looked at Daniel chapter 8, and he said, oh, I understand this now. He said, God has shown me that these 2,300 evenings and mornings are actually referring to years. So this is 2,300 years from the prophecy till Jesus comes back. So he put a date on the calendar, October the 22nd, 1844, Jesus is coming back. And there were a whole bunch of people that were very disappointed because they put their hope in someone who said they understood it all. How should we respond? Well, God should prompt us soberly. The end is coming in a way that should motivate us. It should caution us against someone who says they understand it all. But also now, okay, middle of the verse. It's my favorite part of the whole chapter. Jesus, maybe, in this passage, prompted Gabriel, go explain it. Daniel overcome, laying sick in bed, appalled by this vision, not understanding it. Daniel does something. Then I rose and went about the king's business. What? Okay, Daniel got up. He was tired, he got up, and he went about the king's business. He did what, read if you want to, go back and look how incredibly corrupt this king was, chapter five. He went and he served an, inc an incredibly corrupt ruler, why? because it's what God had told him to do. Jeremiah chapter 29 had told the people of Israel 
you're gonna be taken into captivity. And when you're in Babylon, I want you to serve the good of the city. Daniel served the king, but more than, he wasn't serving really Belshazzar. He was serving Yahweh. What, what, did, what did Daniel do in light of this prophecy? Daniel did what God's word had already told Daniel to do. What do I mean by that? Daniel went and served others. He went and did what God had told him to do and Daniel, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, I said it's, <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29. John Wesley was stopped by a stranger who asked him, what he would do, John Wesley was a famous theologian and pastor. Asked by a stranger what he would do if he knew that Christ was going to return the next day. Wesley reached into his saddlebag, he retrieved his diary, and he read out his engagements for the rest of the day and for the morning the next day. He said, that, dear sir, is what I would do. Prophecy should not paralyze us Prophecy should motivate us to do what God has already told us to do. That we have a king who's on the throne and we know that everything's gonna work out the way that he said it would and we get to be part of his plan. And for people like me that wanna focus on me in the here and now, prophecy has this way of showing me that there's something so much greater than me that is going on in the world and he has invited me, just like he did Daniel, to be part of serving and doing something that is part of the king's business. And he's done the same for you. He has called you to be about his plan to save the world. The man that I shared with you who was on vacation a week ago and got to share Christ, back in our community and doing work. One of the things he does, he gets to work out of his, the house some of the time. And so on Fridays, he tries to schedule to be in town so that he can work out of Hope Women's Center here in town as he's doing his job. Because sometimes at Hope Women's Center, some men come in with the women and he connects with them. And he shared with me, he said, Sam, on Friday, I had the opportunity to have a conversation with someone who was asking questions about faith. He asked questions about faith and I pull out my phone and I had the three circles on it and we walk through it and this guy decides to follow Christ. Later on that day, similar conversations, similar questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? He got to share with them, well, here's what I believe. Pulls out his phone, shows at the backside, three circles, leads this guy to faith in Christ. Now when the end comes, there are three people that he's been part of in the last week that get to join us forever as we worship this king who's in control of all things. Is your life about you right now? I'm gonna invite you to let the prophecy of scripture of a God who's in control and shows us that an end is coming to motivate you to do what that man is doing. What does that look like for you? I wanna invite you right now to bow your heads for just a second. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, the Bible tells us that there's 
It's not like you have to get really good to get into heaven. Uh, Jesus came to live the perfect life in your place. Uh, your sin actually needs to be punished. And if you will allow him, Jesus wants to take your sin on himself and die in your place on the cross. And right now you can just say, God, I believe that you sent your son. I, I receive the gift that you give through the cross. I'm ready to follow you. For the rest of us, if, if we know him, God wants to use you to be about something much more than you. More than you right now, he wants to be you as part of this eternal plan that's much more than now, that you can be used in the lives of others. Ask him who that is for you today. Is there a name that comes to mind that he's placed in your life, an opportunity that you have to go and be about the king's business? to show who Jesus is and what he has done. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.